Hey everybody, Ben here from The Rod Squad, and welcome to something a little different, as you may have gleaned from the title. Uh, we've done a lot of Twilight Zones episodes in the past, but I kind of want to branch out a little bit into a few new series, and that is why um, you may have also noticed that we've rebranded the Podbean website, or just the title, if you're a listener on iTunes. Don't worry though, we're still going to do plenty of Twilight Zone stuff and continuation of the Rod Squad series. It's just that we wanted to branch out a little bit and um, kind of collect everything into a, a project that I was coming up with called Tiny Dots, which is a, a cu- accumulation of some interviews I've been doing with friends, um, the Rod Squad, and a new series that we're starting today, um, Disney Rewind. Uh, maybe there'll be a better name for it, but uh, tentatively... Uh, right now, it is the Disney Rewind. I've been very passionate about Disney films. I'm passionate about film in general, but Disney films have always kind of um, stuck out to me as something that has really transcended time and has had the unique ability to entertain all. There are definitely some stinkers. There are definitely some films that are not uh, that have not aged well. Song of the South, Looking at You, but um, Disney is just such an interesting um, company, an interesting man. Uh, and overall very interesting in today's economic field as well with many feeling they're creating a very dangerous monopoly um, which we'll definitely we'll definitely discuss I feel maybe in later episodes but um, what better place to start I think than the first official Disney animated film Snow White and the Seven Dwarves Um, this podcast will be um, reviewing discussing the history of and really just discussing our thoughts about Disney animated films with occasional live-action films um, dribbled in. We'll be doing Pixar films eventually. We'll be including some other uh, films in in this uh, discussion or in this um, series as well. I don't have the list in front of me now, but of course you cannot talk about Disney without talking about the inaugural film, Snow White. Um, this podcast... Um, We'll not be going into Walt Disney, the man from his birth to the uh, the creation of Snow White. Um, there are plenty of great uh, infer- like websites and videos already discussing that. I highly recommend Defunct Land by Kevin Perjurer, um, a show that I very much enjoy. He discusses amusement park rides quite often, but recently the new season of Defunct Land has looked at um, some amusement parks Walt Disney frequented. And really gives you the taste of what Disney was, uh, what Disney was after in creating Disneyland, but also what Walt really felt passionate about growing up. With the housekeeping out of the way, let's jump into Snow White. And this podcast is going to be split into two segments. The first will just be me discussing the production, um, the actors and actresses, the behind-the-scenes information of the film, and the second part will be with a larger group um, consisting of Rod Squad alum, well not alum, it's still going on, but Rod Squad member uh, Ashley, and right now since we are in quarantine for COVID, who knows how much this this dates the podcast, Um, my parents and my brother as well, uh, just because uh, we're all kind of living together right now, that's kind of a nice way of putting it, I moved home, I moved home to, uh, to ride out this bad boy, so that is going to be the cast and crew, but for now, let's hop in to Snow White. Once, I have but one thought, 
Oh, just another note before we start, all resources I used will be found in the description of the podcast in a bibliography. This is by no means kind of a super scholarly podcast. Think of it more like as kind of a little Wikipedia thing where you can look at the resources I use, and if you're interested, delve much deeper. I've left out a lot of information in the sake of not narrating a book, and of course, I've there's probably information that um, I haven't found that you may know about or that no one has found that um, just kind of went to the grave with the movie that may be dug up at a later date. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was released on February 4th, 1938. Um, however, this was not the origin of this uh, tale. The story dates back much further. Um, Snow White, like other Disney films, is adapted from a Brother Grimm story or really just a folklore story that was began propagating um, hundreds of years earlier and eventually made its way into print. This story first appeared in print in 1812. Uh, most likely, um, it, it was told hundreds of years earlier with many different variants as uh, stories are often told in different cultures. A quick plot summary of the story. And this is a good time to remind uh, everyone that if you've not seen the film yet, uh, there will be spoilers. It might be a good time to see the film. Since I'm doing the story summary right now, we will not be doing a major plot um, summary of the film. So it's probably a good time to watch the movie or read up on it if you have not yet. So the story uh, reads actually much like the film that would come, something that... uh, would not be seen in later releases, especially with Pinocchio, for example. Uh, Snow White is born to a queen who kind of makes a wish for the most gorgeous daughter the world has ever seen. Uh, black or black hair, hair as dark as uh, ebony, I believe. Um, skin super white, uh, cheeks as red as uh, rose. And of course, the daughter is born and is absolutely gorgeous. The queen dies in childbirth, um, maybe related to the to the wish, probably unrelated. A new stepmother steps in and marries the father and becomes queen, and the uh, stepmother is shockingly evil, as they tend to be in these stories. Her uh, main drive for her evilness is that she is not as beautiful as Snow White, and that uh, kind of enrages her. She sends Snow White into the woods with a huntsman um, with the command that the huntsman will kill Snow White and bring back her liver, uh, liver and lungs. Now, in the film, it's the heart. Um, In the story, it's a little different. Uh, Snow White uh, manages to convince him not to kill her with her beauty, and he can't do it, much like in the movie. Uh, At the same time, a boar uh, runs across them both, so the huntsman decides to kill the boar and spare Snow White. Snow White then runs through a dark and evil forest, like we see in the film, um, combating but not getting hurt by many animals that try and attack her, or trees that seemingly spring to life, and eventually comes to a very kind of peaceful, um, heavenly little house. Coming upon this house uh, obviously lets herself in. Can you really blame her in this situation? It's also important to note that she's a child. She's around 14 years old. I think seven at the time she gets thrown out, but she ages quite a bit. Uh, Not like in the Disney movie where it's basically just two nights that she stays with them. As she steps in, she, she provides the dwarves who are at work in the mines right now with cooking and cleaning. She decides to clean their whole place, as is the, uh, period 
appropriate, I'm using air quotations here, uh, tasks for a woman. The dwarves come back from work and uh, see her sleeping upstairs. Uh, they do not immediately attempt to kill her like in the film, although I should be note that the murder is comical and uh, more like trying to fight a monster than, than kill a child. The dwarves immediately uh, are infatuated with her beauty and her, uh, I guess, usefulness. She cooks and cleans. It's very helpful. These dwarves are very messy. So they allow her to stay and they warn her not to open the door for any strangers as it could be this evil queen who, uh, whose deeds kind of is all across the land attempting to kill her. Now Snow White, being a child, uh, immediately lets the first stranger in, who of course is the stepmother. The stepmother is posing as a lace seller. She attempts to strangle Snow White to death, but before the job can be completed, uh, the dwarves arrive home, they find Snow White, and through the power of scissors, they cut the lace and resuscitate her. This is clearly a land of idiots outside of the dwarves. Snow White let the stranger in, and the, the queen decided not to finish the job. Snow White, clearly learning nothing, once again lets another stranger in in an undetermined amount of time later. She lets the stranger in who is posing as a hairstylist. She uses a po poison comb to comb Snow White's hair, but again does not stay to make sure the job is done. Um, the dwarves once again save Snow White by removing the cone, somehow uh, retroactively removing any toxins. The queen has had it by this point and decides to concoct a poison apple. Um, however, half the apple is normal and half is poison, unlike the film where the whole thing is poison. Snow White, clearly just being dumb at this point, um, once again entertains a guest. But, maybe getting a little smart, she makes her stay outside and only speaks to her through the window. Um, Snow White is not very trusting of this apple, rightly so, but the queen... Um, posing as a old beggar, suggests that she'll cut it in half and they can share it. Of course, she gives Snow White the poison half, the queen takes the non-poison half, and Snow White falls dead. The queen has finally rid, uh, rid the world of Snow White. The dwarves come home to find Snow White dead. Of course, they're horribly sad, and they make her a sweet coffin that lives in the home with them. Uh, very strange from today's standards, but when the story maybe was originally told, uh, details were changed, or this was just the cultural norm, or a uh, something that was something that was common. Um, I'm a biology major. Uh, Ashley is the anthropologist, the archaeologist in the house, so I will ask her about that uh, in a little bit when we join the whole group. Eventually, a prince stumbles through the woods. Now, this is different than the um, Disney film. In the Disney film, the prince meets Snow White in the beginning. He falls in love with her, and he tries to creepily seduce her. Um, by just running up to her and singing. Rather than a true love's kiss, he just wants to bring the body home to his castle to admire. Um, this is just creepy. Maybe this is some idea of romanticism that has uh, become archaic in our time, but uh, I don't really recognize a time where women would want this at all. They begin to carry her coffin out of the house so they can help the prince load it up when one trips and the apple is dislodged, bringing her back to life. Snow White and the prince fall in love, and they live happily ever after. They plan a wedding and kind of send send mention of it throughout all the kingdoms. You know, very um, very polite thing, I'd imagine. They send out the invitations. The queen gets one and is um, kind of enraged that she's still alive. She has no idea. She wants to see how fair 
Snow White is now, but uh, part of her knows she'll die. But eventually, just the greed and the need to uh, see overwhelms her, and she attends the wedding and is forced to stand on burning coals and dance until she dies. So very dark. Just want to say that you can read that whole original story online. University of Pittsburgh has provided it. Of course, uh, link will be uh, in the bibliography. So back to Disney. Production of the film began in 1934 and was announced to the public that same summer. Uh, at this point in time, it was a huge deal for both the company and the film industry. The film industry had not seen an animated feature-length film like this at all up to this point, and it was very unprecedented. Many thought it would flop. Uh, this was big for Disney as well, as they were well-known for making musical shorts. Um, they were by no means a small company at the time. They had very respected characters like Mickey Mouse, um, for instance, but this was unprecedented. Um, usually their budget for uh, short-length features was about a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, this film, in comparison, would cost $1.5 million to make. It got so bad, in fact, that his brother Roy, who handled most of the finances, and his wife attempted to talk him out of this. Uh, he funded most of the film by taking a mortgage out on his house. Interestingly enough, of course, this film made a lot of money, becoming the highest-grossing film of all time until Gone with the Wind took over. So I don't think he had any difficulty paying that back. So what was the state of Disney at the time? Well, like I mentioned before, Disney was making short films, which proved to be a very successful endeavor. Mickey Mouse had become a household name and was also uh, becoming the first licensed character to ever be on a box of cereal, which was um, seems a little silly now, but was huge at the time. I mean, it's still pretty big nowadays as well. And Donald Duck had just started to appear in uh, a few shorts as well. He would become a major character in both wartime propaganda for Disney as well as just the Disney um, collection. Uh, he is one of the big three, uh, Mickey, Disney, and Goofy, who um, I part of the big three for me is because they're all in Kingdom Hearts, but in reality, they also have a major, major, major uh, role in animation. From the start of the film, Disney had his eyes set on turning the story into kind of a slapstick comedy. Uh, this was pretty prominent back in the 30s, the style, and certainly was a major part of vaudeville the precursor to theater, which had been uh, very popular when Walt was growing up. He instructed his writers that he wanted gags, lots of them, especially in reference to the dwarves. Um, he wanted a wide cast of dwarves, uh, because in the story, of course, they don't have any personality. They're just dwarves. But we know the dwarves of the film much, much better. Before we had the seven dwarves that we know and love, he, uh, his staff had compiled a list of 50, each with different personalities unique from the rest. In the original script, much more focus was put on the prince, but this was removed, uh, as were other elements such as the queen being buffoonish and fat and the prince's character largely being clownish. Uh, he would have had a much more significant role in the story and also served as more of a comedic role, but these were both removed. When Disney uh, reassessed what the work that was being done he grew concerned with the comedic elements and honestly grew doubtful of the whole project it is unknown what caused the resurgence in confidence um some think that it was a trip to europe that he kind of found new inspiration but in 1935 he had officially doled out roles to him 
employees and largely finalize the dwarven personalities. It was go time for the film. So let's talk about some of the people who worked on it. Albert Hunter served as the character designer on the film. Um, I have a wonderful image of some of the early designs that I will provide in the link below or as kind of the image for the podcast. Uh, They were sold at an auction recently and I found them on Pinterest. Great website. Animation was done by a collection of employees, many of which are considered very legendary and are Disney legends um, because of their work in the Disney Golden Age. Uh, One that I would like to discuss is Art Babbitt, who uh, really is known for working on a lot of these films, but also developing the character of Goofy. Uh, What he did for this film was greatly improve the animation and artistic ability by holding private art classes in his home. Uh, They started out with him and the boys, uh, what he deemed, who worked with him in his animation room, but eventually people were clamoring to join. Uh, They would go to his house, it was a lot of socializing, and they would would have a nude model, and they would all just practice drawing. Uh, Eventually, Walt Disney caught wind of this and offered to have it at the actual studios. Um, Growing even further past that, they brought in a local art professor who rigorously and brutally uh, examined their work and told them why and how they were doing it wrong. Through the process, the artists became much stronger and felt confident in tackling making these characters come to life on the screen. The honor of animating Snow White in particular was given to Grim Natwick, who was awarded this position due to his artistic prowess. Um, He was easily one of the best artists with the studios, and he had drawn and helped bring the famous character Betty Boop Uh, to life a few years prior. If anyone played the game Cuphead, a shooter that pays homage to a lot of these cartoons, um, the boss Grim Matchsticks is a a reference to his work. While it has nothing to do with Snow White, it is a very pretty boss. And it is in the style of uh, Disney at this time. The score for Snow White was composed by Frank Churchill and Larry Morey. Churchill is a very interesting character. He provided the scores for the next batch of movies until his death in 1940. He committed suicide at his piano. Uh, it was rumored that he was very, very upset with Walt over the Bambi score, but in reality, it was most likely his difficult bouts with depression and heavy alcoholism. He was only 40. Snow White was the first American film to have a soundtrack release. This is something you see with uh, nearly every film these days. Uh, Dating myself further and this podcast, we just recently saw the release of Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, which had a a great soundtrack. Not a great movie. Great soundtrack with um, many different artists coming together, but this was very revolutionary for the time. In terms of inspiration, many horror movies were actually watched during the production of this film. Uh, Notably, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was studied, especially the scene where he transforms into Mr. Hyde, and they used it for the Evil Queen's transformation into a evil old hag. Moving on to actors, um, two of note, I feel, for this film— The film starred Adriana Casoletti as the lead role of Snow White. Born into an artistic family, she was surrounded by very prominent uh, international singers and became one herself. She was hired in 1935 at the age of 19 and was paid around $17,000 in today's money. This was not a great decision for her career moving forward. There was a very strict contract where Walt did not want her making other appearances and singing as... 
He wanted the voice of Snow White to be incredibly unique. Eventually, she was allowed to cash in on this role, doing things at Disney parks and TV appearances. But in her prime years, she was um, had very had much difficulty finding work. She was not even credited in the credits, which is horrifying to think about now. But this was a much different time in Hollywood. She died in 1997. Uh, in California, the last of the cast to do so, and she was crowned a Disney legend. The other star I want to discuss was Lucille Laverne, who played the stepmother in The Witch slash The Witch. Uh, she was born in 1872 in Tennessee and was a pioneer of the early stage, traveling all across the United States. She also had a prolific career doing blackface, as was common at the time. This was her final role before her death in the 1940s after a battle with cancer. Snow White opened at the Carthay Circle Theater in 1937, late 1937, to standing ovations. This, of course, was not the commercial release. This was just the 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 film first screening, as many films do today. Um, celebrities flocked to see this film. When the film did release, it was a breath of fresh air in American life and was um, was celebrated from sources like Time, Variety, and the New York Times. So let's talk about what was happening in America to make this film so popular. Well, notably, we, if we're looking kind of on a wide scale, World War I had ended recently, um, about, let's see, 18 years earlier. My math is off. I don't have a calculator in front of me. 19. 19 years earlier, I think. Uh, after that, we had the Roaring Twenties, a time of kind of great boom in American culture and a lot of diversification of American culture, maybe not of the American people or the classism slash racism, but, um, but that, of course, ended with the Great Depression, a big agricultural and economic disaster that threw the country for a loop. At this time, it was getting better, but unfortunately, um, as it was getting better, another major recession had sprung up. Um, Unemployment rose again, not to the levels of the Great Depression, and the industrial production collapsed. This film served as an escapism for the audience members, um, something that you see time and time again with um, other, other films that take place during economic recessions. They tend to do well because people want to escape, and theater as well. Snow White, when released to the public, was an international hit, seeing much success in North America and Europe. It was a huge success, making Disney a household name. Uh, it also allowed for more funding to be allocated for future movies. Snow White also became a household name and has appeared in many different um, movies, TV shows, and video games. Just thinking of it, she was recently in Wreck-It Ralph 2, I believe, um, she's in the Once Upon a Time series, and in the term, in, in video games, she makes an appearance in Kingdom Hearts 2. I don't know if you actually can interact with her. I have not played those games yet. I've been meaning to. I just kind of, I'm kind of on the outside looking in on them. So, what do we think of the film? I'm going to throw it over to me in the future, uh, Ashley, and some other guests. So, I'll see you in a second. And welcome to the second half of the show. Um, kind of mentioned this in the first half, but we're a bit stuck inside due to the COVID issues, so might as well do this with the people I'm stuck with, <laughs> aka my family. Ooh. So you guys want to introduce yourselves to the best of your uh, abilities here? Yeah. Sure. 
I'm Mom. Great. <laughs> Steve, also known as Dad. Great. <laughs> I'm the better Blam sibling. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. So we all watched Snow White and the Swe- uh, Sweven. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves a few nights ago. And now we're just going to talk about our general thoughts here. <laughs> Um, I hope touched on the history in the previous part and touched on the the uh, kind of the intro to the show in the previous part so the housekeeping's already out of the way so let's just get the ball rolling Snow White and the Seven Dwarves what did we think? It was bad I, I thought it Max. was really good I thought it was great I thought it was great it was, it was alright there was, there were some things that I think don't translate very well today but it's still uh, a feat for sure yeah, what what did you feel didn't translate well? Just kind of the ideas of gender, like you see, kind of the prince chasing after Snow White and like physically chasing after her and physically like trying to grab her and stuff, and she runs away from him. But at the end, she's kind of wants to still be with him, and she enjoys cleaning, and she's not really anything beyond that. So the gender roles have not aged well. There you go. And the idea of true love's first kiss. Who decided this? <laughs> this the prince stalks her in the beginning, and then later she's in a coma. Yeah. Now somehow it's true love's first kiss because right. the prince is that much of a man. Yep. Yeah. He's that charming that he uh he just whisks her back to life. That's right. He's well, so charming they renamed him Prince Charming. Also, if I could just say, there's like no empowerment whatsoever. Yeah, Grumpy literally spends the whole time, like, insulting women. Well, he's Grumpy. I know, <laughs> <Yeah>. literally. <laughs> it's like... a much catchier name than one well, of the dwarves. On the other hand, Snow White does lay down the law to the seven dwarves. Right, yeah. Yes, but not with her stepmother. Well, but her stepmother's her cruel and capable talking about of murder. Gender. I kind of wouldn't mess with the witch. Do you think it might be because they're not, like, humans? So they're kind of, like, they're not the same level? As Snow White, because she kind of the whole movie she refers to them like as children, and even though she's like, "Oh, you're old men," like she's still laughing at them, and like, but it's still a really good point that she is kind of almost the the head of home. Yeah, in certain aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, there's definitely some weird instances with the dwarves, especially you know they go away to work all day, but where they don't have a direct deposit. Like, what are they doing with this cash? I feel like they just take the gems. It does promote health. And cleaning and washing your hands, yes. right? Which is uh, and small businesses. Yes, yes. we are all those, those. Those are some some literally of small businesses. Yeah. <laughs> we oh hey, because they're small little dudes, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I definitely agree though that the I don't know. It's a lot of people's arguments are just like you know that's the time, but um, Disney's doing a lot of female empowerment these days with Moana and. Frozen, and even up to ten years ago with the Princess and the Frog. You could even argue um, the movies there were more women are not the main characters, such as like Wreck It Ralph. Like mm. all, most of those female characters are very strong. Tinkle did a good and job. And very different. Does Does Pixar count? Because Brave. Yes, mm-hmm. Pixar. Brave is a, was a huge thing. Including Pixar in this podcast. Well, they're owned by Disney. Yep. So they're <laughs> well. If you go to modern movies, you move on. Yep, that's that's yeah, that's during the Disney Renaissance of the nineties. And in a, in a shaky way, you could say. Pokemon and the fact that Disney <laughs> realizes that nobody wants to see the guys. Every movie is about the princess. It's yeah, princess. It's, it's Sleeping Beauty. It's Cinderella. Oh, that is my cat Violet. Hey, bye. Hey. She's 
she is actually in the room with us. She's like, it. She's looking into my bedroom. <laughs> She's like, it's empty. It's hey, I'm all right here. Oh, there. There you are. Come on around Papa's quad. Violet, would you like to introduce yourself? I think Violet already did. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, uh, the, the gender issues definitely persist. I don't think that really gets better until, what, the 90s? Uh, um, late 80s with the Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid yeah, still little... had some issues. Like, it, it had some issues. That's like one of my. But certainly yeah, not. But it was Sleeping it's Beauty. Not it was nothing no. compared to Snow White. Um, what do we think of Snow White as an actress or as the the performances? Guess as Snow White first, and then as a whole, what did you, you guys think? You made me sad with the story about the actress. Well, yes, we touched on this in the in the previous part of the podcast, but she did not have a fortunate career after the film. Yeah, which sounds like BS. Well, the character is pretty strong, but a little too trusted. Right. She's, um, <laughs> she definitely wouldn't be passing any sort of test anytime soon. We never actually see a confrontation confrontation between her. Confront. Con- Thank you. Confrontation between her and her mother. No. Stepmother. It's always when the stepmother's disguised. Yeah, but also, they told her, don't open the door to anybody. And what's the first thing this idiot does? Open, open the door. door. Open Granted, the uh, door. That's what I would do. All I took was to watch a terrible uh, Stranger Danger video at, like, age six. <laughs> and I knew not to do that. That's right. <laughs> she was 14. She had no excuse. That wasn't cool. Um, yeah, but uh, Snow White spends the majority of the movie just cleaning. Or I- well, okay. directing yeah. others to clean, oh, technically. Yeah. I had the, so the So the use of animal labor is yeah. uh, too PC yeah, with Pete today. Is, yeah, Pete is not thrilled. Pete is not thrilled. Yeah, so it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, cleaning. The whole story actually spent a lot of time in minutia. Big scenes of cleaning, big scenes of working, and high hoeing back and forth. Right. And the actual, uh, you know, the actual end of the print, the... Uh, Stepmother, it was like what? What happened? Yeah, wait, I forget what happened. Well, yeah. she fell off a cliff and a boulder fell on top of her head. Yes, I went over the a loose plot of the original story in the previous mm-hmm. version, but this Spoiler movie. alert! This movie. Yes. Well, I've already given them the warning to watch the film. This movie really has like three acts. It's uh, singing and running away, cleaning for thirty minutes, and then singing and running well, well, away. Well, there was there was the small inner like missions of Dopey getting beat up. Yes, yeah, there were, there were some. What, what did we think of the dwarves? They I, were definitely the humor aspect of the film. They're just so mean, the Dopey, and the sneezing thing was not as funny. You gotta wonder how Doc was in charge. Right. Yeah. Because apart State from of missing him. his words, maybe he just had a gun or something. Yeah. Or the glasses. Because <laughs> well, who Grump- else was gonna do it? Well, Grumpy. That yeah, was a grumpy deleted scene. A yeah. full deleted scene yeah, with Grumpy and Doc arguing. You come to me on the day of my uh And my back then with anim- hand animation, a deleted scene was a lot of work. Yeah, can't include that one. What was the deleted scene? Grumpy and Doc arguing about whether to let her stay. Oh. Yeah. I wonder why they decided to delete that. Because Doc was too aggressive. It was just taking away from the movie. Yeah. uh... And the head animator who did that scene and another one that also ended up getting cut almost quit. Yes, that's right. But he was given, I believe, the rights to animate Pinocchio. Yes, he was not thrilled about having his work deleted. (laughs) Rightfully Um, so. I like the dwarves. Uh, Yeah. Good dwarves. Good dwarves. 
So, evil stepmother, did we like that character? That's kind of the last big character we haven't really discussed. Oh, love the character. Yeah, her character yeah. design looks amazing. Very, very well done for 1938. And still, like, very beautiful. Like, it makes sense that she's obsessed with her beauty because she looks beautiful up until, obviously, the transformation. And this isn't Maleficent, right? This is not... No, no, no it's Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty, right, right. I'm just trying to, to figure out the whole need to be, I mean, what's with the need to be the most beautiful in the world? Wasn't that the moral of the story? Don't be vain. Can know? we actually ask that question in the day when we look at our president who has a need to be the best? <laughs> we The best ideas. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Well, that's so true. what, she was a complete narcissist? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, pretty much. I think that's the moral of the story is that if you're very vain and narcissistic that you will uh, end up with a boulder well, on you in the, at uh, the bottom of the cliff. In the in the original story, she's forced to dance on hot coals until her feet melt and she dies. And she dies on their wedding because the prince recognizes her and goes up. Wow, to so kill her and to torture too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, that wasn't Walt Disney though. That, that was Disney, that was yeah. the brothers group. Like yeah. the original Cinderella had the ravens pick out their eyes, and there's a scene where the stepsisters cut off parts of their feet. Outstanding. Yes. There is uh, it is quite dark. It's quite dark. Yeah. Yes. Children's stories for <laughs> Well, children's stories are supposed to scare you. Well, I mean yeah. it happens in the little mermaid too. Like when she walks, she feels like her feet are like on like on broken glass. Pins or and needles and oh yeah, and it's broken like glass. Physically yeah. painful to walk and then she turns into sea foam. Like yeah. they're not supposed to have happy endings. They're supposed to be like morals. Cautionary tales, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. And Disney took them and went, Well, how are we gonna make money? Yes, Disney was uh, fond of this story. Um, the singing—I wanted to point out the singing. Did we? I thought it was a little creepy, just because of the mm-hmm. recording quality of mm-hmm. 1938. Oh, I liked it. That was the one part I liked. Yeah, it might have been the style then too. It is, it yeah, you're before crooning. You got Rudy Valley out there singing through megaphones in the late. 20s, early 30s. Well, and also all the women that were singing had these baby doll voices. Yes. It was a common style uh, with women of color at the time, and then it was adapted into uh, mainstream culture by white artists. Yes, and uh, this... this, Yes, yes. Pretty good songs, though. Someday My Prince Will Come. Yeah, um, Mm -hmm. I was reading about... Yeah. Watch. Those are some good songs. I was reading about the Betty Boop character, and um, the the person that they modeled Betty Boop after sued to get rights for the character, but the court case was thrown out because they found out that she just stole her Betty her image from a black singer at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So that case got swept out. Yeah, that's how I knew about the the type of singer. I did like the music a lot. Um, it's definitely not like I mean, other than the Hi Ho song, it's not a lot of songs that Disney are very popular today, I feel, in Disney's repertoire to bring back. I feel like Hi-Ho is. Yeah, but I'm saying other songs outside oh, yeah. of that. I knew um, Someday My Prince Will Come because Broadway actresses did a medley of princess songs. Yeah. And that was the only one from Snow White they did. Hmm. Rightly so. There was only, like, what, two or three big songs in the there film? There was a couple. No villain songs. That's something that usually comes in the uh, Disney be, Renaissance. That'll be a lot later. Uh, villains get cool songs. I feel like Disney movies aren't really musical at this point. Like Cinderella wasn't didn't feel like a musical. Mm-hmm. It felt like here's some plot, here's a song, here's some plot, here's a song. 
where you see like Lion King, it's more incorporated. Kind you of mean of Snow White? Other than Cin- you said Cinderella. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, yeah. Lion King is very incorporated. Very mu- like you can tell it's a musical. And like Frozen, the singing exactly. is like a, a major plot point. Frozen Moana. Two, Moana. Yeah, that, and you had all of Fantasia. All of mm. Yeah, we'll be reviewing that coming up soon. That's uh, that's Aunt number Pearl three. took me to see that when I was a kid really? in the movie theater. Was it awesome? Aww. Yeah, it was really cool because it was the first movie I'd ever seen like that before. Yeah, wow. it's it's a brilliant film. I'm very excited to talk about that. Um. Yes, but back to back to Snow White before we get ahead of ourselves. Can I just say? Yeah. Audio audio reference in the podcast. We love those doing here on the Tiny Dots shows. She took my seat. Yeah, Violet always <laughs> takes seats. Our cat has taken our mother's seat once more, and she looks so smug about it. She's so proud of herself. Did we like the art style? It's certainly not something we're used to seeing today, since they've switched over to 3D modeling as a more cost-effective and time-effective method. Um, I honestly prefer 2D. Yeah. yeah. And I honestly oh, prefer yeah. this classic style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate I appreciate the art they're doing today, but I really like, especially the 90s movies that I grew up with, um, watching after they released, obviously, but The Little Mermaid, Lion King, yeah. Tarzan, which has a brilliant soundtrack. Because uh, <laughs> Phil, Phil Collins went off on Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you mean he went off? He did a great job. Oh, the whole... Yeah, was uh, yeah I mean, yes. That. That, yeah. You can listen to that album without watching the movie. Oh, yeah. have uh, a very 100%, good time. 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that has to be the best score, I think, ever. Yeah. Any particular scene? Oh, sorry. No? What were you going to say? Oh, Lion King's a good score, too. Yeah, yeah. Lion King's a great fantastic. score. Animated movie scores. I love Pocahontas' score. Although, movie is going to be interesting to discuss. Yeah. It's gonna be fun when to you discuss. when you discuss Mulan. Will you tell me because I like the shift from musical to drama piece halfway yes. through. Yes, it was, I was reading about that too. Yeah. Back to back to Snow White though. The animation. No, Isn't it a majorly creepy moment movie. when uh, Dopey did that thing with his eyes? Yes, yeah. I, Dopey always scared <laughs> me as a kid. Switched his head. I think I blocked this out of my memory. Dopey was very frightening. I'm uh, surprised he went over well and became the most popular popular of the dwarves. Yeah, I kind of like Doc the best. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Something about Doc. Good dwarf. Yeah, he's always telling people what to do, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he messes the proletariat. up, so it's funny. That's right. This is a very pro... Yeah. This is a very pro-capitalistic movie. You gotta figure who goes with them when they sell the gems. Grumpy, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, uh, for price. <laughs> I just gotta figure Doc's just spinning the wheels. Alright, yeah. so I'm gonna handle this. You don't wanna bring Happy. Well, it's a great deal. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Certainly not sneezing. He'll blow the dimes all over. That's it. Um, any scenes in particular that we all enjoyed? My favorite was definitely the Wicked Witch transformation. Yeah, that has always been my favorite scene. Yeah, it's very creepy. I like the, the spinning effect. I, I was really impressed with how it looked, to be honest. Like, yeah. You don't... Especially not, like, with that type of Disney, you don't expect, like, that kind of intense of a transformation scene. It makes me think much um, of The Princess and the Frog at the end of that. Yeah, yeah that's it's a very... Like, r- the end of the one character is very frightening, and it kind of is the same level to that. Right, yeah. It reminds me, actually, I guess this was, like, the Wild West for movies and stuff in terms of kids' movies until, mm-hmm. like, the 70s, maybe, where ratings got stricter. But you could definitely... 
definitely get away with a lot of stuff. But yeah, they did a great job. They really animated it very well. Yeah, it still looks good today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's not much. It's weird talking about it because it's it's like a very it's like a standard Disney princess movie, but there really isn't much to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very basic. Yeah. Plot. It's clearly the first one. <laughs> it's yeah. very clearly yeah. the first one. Yeah, they spend a lot of time on things that are not plot driven, just scenes. Yeah. Like dinner, cooking, you know, working. You know, I Sleeping. I would have really mm-hmm. loved if instead of the prince who had like two seconds in the opening of chasing her, if like the dwarves were able to bring her back, because they're like family now. Uh, are not, they not in the thirties? <laughs> Yeah, she only lives there Are for a family? night. She lives there for one day, and then she's like, bye. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just... <laughs> for a couple months there. Yeah, like, it's slightly better than having someone who chases you than give you a kiss and you wake up. Yeah, well, she definitely gives the dwarf short shrift, because they're actually the ones that put her in the glass coffin. Yeah, yeah she they ran once. Though, yeah. It's like, they're, you know, they could have just dumped her over the same cliff as the uh, stepmother. Right. <laughs> And the, the back prince, to work. The prince was very. Glass coffin's weird. What is up with the glass coffin? Is that a that, cultural thing? That is not. That, that was. That's just a Disney thing. I, no, I think no, that's actually in the Grim uh, story. Oh yes, yes, that's true. They kept it. Really, got to be able to see who's inside. Yeah. Guys, this is gonna open a coffin. Hey, can I kiss what's in there? Yeah, oh. that's true. Plot device. Oh, wrong coffin. <laughs> yeah, wrong coffin. <laughs> no. Excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> so sorry for bothering. Yeah, just sitting out there. The film okay. seemed very... They didn't really give us a good period of time reference, too. <laughs> Ashley, you want to talk more about that one? It was just very, like, time period ambiguous. Mm. Because, like, everything was so weird. That's true. Like, nothing matched. Like, everybody was dressed a different time period. The house, their cottage... Like, yes, I understand it's like a Disney movie and it's where dwarves live. But, like, their cottage style was... You could tell Disney was trying to be a German, and it was mm-hmm. trying to do German styles, but he was blending so many time periods together, and and in some cases, kind of stereotypes of German style houses, especially like the door frames and stuff, such that you couldn't, you could never put a time period on that. What was the point with the gems anyway? They're, that's just their gig. I, I mean, know, but why wasn't their gig? I don't know, firewood or coal or well, like, why mean, was well, it jazz? This was the time where we're looking at like Tolkien esque mythology because that's what was huge, uh-huh. like Tolkien esque mythos with dwarves and the Middle Earth nonsense. And they live and, in mines. Yeah, and in that mm. in that variety, dwarves are very their whole economy is based off mining. Nowadays, it's loosened up, um, but. You know, you still have, like, D&D, which really based dwarves mm-hmm. as, like, a mining people. And, and like, Dragon Age, uh, it's a video game, does the exact same thing. Hmm. Um, all the dwarves come from Middle-earth, which is the inside. Yeah, right. So there's, like, a weird mythos with dwarven. It, it really is because of Tolkien, I think. Oh, I think it's deeper than that, to be honest. You think it goes further back? Probably. Do you have any inkling where the dwarf, dwarven no. race comes from? The idea of I it? could say something super spicy, but no. Maybe after we finish recording. It's not, not inappropriate, but there's like a subspecies. Well, yeah, there was, right? The Denisovians. They were, they were smaller in they were stature. Smaller. They were like hobbit size. How long were they around before we wiped them out? Uh, I think their time period was the same as like the Neanderthal. Like, I don't know. And 
Homo sapien comes in and then that's when ruins everything. Yeah, well, well, we're such a good group, aren't we? It, it, well, they also like there are some that they mated with as well. Mm. Well, they had to be dwarves because they couldn't be grown adults. Right, that would be a yeah. little. Because then it's like, oh, then you're being all these stories about well, which one of us is going to get the date or, or, yeah. or, 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 or when they <laughs> see the prince come and get out of here, bud, we're going to kick you out of here. <laughs> so they had to be something other than people, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So not quite children, but uh, yeah, she's able children. to treat them as children by making them wash their hands yes. after a long day digging mines when she obviously has done no manual labor. It's not like Cinderella where they made her work. Yeah. She's prouncing around in that ball gown. Singing, oh, that's what I'm wearing today. Singing. Talking to Talking tears, to animals. Yeah. She like, didn't even do the work. The no. animals did all the work. I know. She would direct it. And had a broom at one point for about 30 she seconds. She for a little bit. Well, yeah, for like 30 seconds. Definitely had command authority. She should go join the army. Yeah. <laughs> Make it right up to the top. Right. Today, nowadays, she would be like a bioweapon if she could control animals with her singing. She could just be... <laughs> yeah. She'd be an X-Men. She would. Yeah. She would. That's true, yeah. So, um, let's, uh, let's, let's condense it. Anyone have any other big points they wanted to discuss? Yeah. When do we get to do up? Up? Oh boy! <laughs> I cannot wait. I uh, I have so many things to talk well, about with that movie. I'm gonna sit here with a notebook. Sure. Wow. So many mm. things to talk about. My favorite Pixar movie. Yeah. Mine too. <laughs> that and up. Nemo. Mm, did you see the second one? Yes. Yeah, so cute. We should watch it again. Yes. <laughs> yes. This podcast will be. Uh, Coming, coming hopefully <laughs> weekly because yeah. there shouldn't be a ton of editing I have to do. Hopefully weekly, right? Um, because we can't leave. <laughs> we can't, we can't leave, and it's oh, and we're not sure if it's going to be two weeks or like three months. So we will see. But uh, yeah. Uh, so before we close out the show today, um. <laughs> What I'll just do a, a rating system, I guess. I, I like rating systems; they're a nice way to condense, condense um, the shows. So mm-hmm. let's start with hmm. Ash. What did you? What would you give Snow White out of ten, and why? Ten. Um, I think I would give it like a six and a half, maybe a seven. Um, I think that it stands the test of time really well. I think the animation's very nice. I do think it's a little problematic uh, just because of, like, again, the gender roles issue and, and Doki and stuff like right, that. Right, yeah. But I still under uh, like recognize the importance of it and kind of the significance of it, I guess, as well. All right, Max? So, like, out of ten? Yeah. I'd give it a four because it's not my favorite. Also, there was no real story to me. No real story. <laughs> I, uh... Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Um, yes, it doesn't... It holds up in some regards, but doesn't in others. If this came out today, I would laugh it out of the theater. Um, but watching it from a 1938 perspective, I very much enjoyed it. I'll give it an 8. Uh, um, I'll give it a 3.5. I just don't like musical theater. Too harsh. Yeah, I know. Unless, Well, that's not true, because I really liked Waitress. And Hamilton, mm-hmm. even though I didn't see Hamilton. Oh, I'd, I'd give this a 9. Ooh. I'd give it a 7 for the movie itself, which still looks good today. 
and fairly stuck with his story and was sort of entertaining. I mean, I wasn't bored watching it. Then another two, just that everybody told Disney not to make a full-length animated feature. And yeah. His family said it. He had to yep. mortgage his house to make it. Yep. And he said, no, that's going to work, and it worked. And you just got to think about what would happen if he hadn't made this movie, and everybody said full-length animated movies were just poison. Who knows? Yep. Well, we probably wouldn't have the Walt Disney we know today. Or we would have had Snow White five years later. Yeah, there you go. So I'm giving it the extra two points for that. What? He's a rum and coke guy. What the heck is that? Blackberry brand. That's what I was yeah, going to say. Slur, hey, uh, slur, we're, slur. we're all over 21 here. <laughs> yep. So, um... We are. Oh, no, I guess <laughs> Almost all of us. So next week, I know I mentioned this either on the Facebook page or before in the recording that we were chronologically critiquing. I think we're going to switch it up. Um, I think we're just going to pick and choose and feel our way across the Disney universe. Woohoo! And, uh... Do some films that I think we want to all see. It's important to start with Snow White, but next week or next time we get together and record, um, we will be watching Princess and the Frog. I'm not sure of the year, but it was late 2000s, early 2010s. I think it was, think it was 2011. 2011. Yeah, right? I think it was. Let me mm-hmm. double check. 11 or 13. It'll be a good second film to watch because it's a modern day yep. princess tale compared to this classic one. 2009, it's right? Such a good movie. Yeah, it was earlier. Have we all seen it? Yeah. I have, yep, I have I, fond I, memories of watching it, but I haven't I seen it since probably like 2010 or 2011. We watched it like two months ago. It yeah. was so we, good. We, watched, we watched it <laughs> like in what, January? Yeah. We watched it in January awesome. because I wanted to see it again. And of course, uh, Yep, uh, it's about Princess Tiana. Mm-hmm. Yep, Princess Tiana and Prince uh, Nazim. Prince Nazim, the Princess and the Frog story in New Orleans in like the 30s, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it's the 30s. Perfect. So uh, yeah, very excited to start that. Any final thoughts on Snow White? It was creepier than Vivarium. No, <laughs> nothing was creepier <laughs> than that movie. Good film. Good film. Good film. It was fun to watch it with you guys. Yep, and stay tuned. I'll just say that. Stay tuned because we're going to have more Rod Squad content, um, maybe some more Tiny Dots content, but definitely some more Disney Rewind content coming up. See you then. If you dig, dig, dig with a shovel or a pick. In a mine, in a mine, in a mine, in a mine, where a million dollars.